Well, good morning. If, uh, if you're new with us today, visiting us, whether here in person or online, if I haven't had a chance to get to know you, my name is Jeff, and, and I've been here now for f- uh, just my fourth Sunday as serving as uh, your new senior pastor. And it's been a great couple weeks, without a doubt, in so many different levels, both in terms of getting to know people both here in the church and also back out in our community. And uh, as I've been reflecting on these weeks, uh, my prayer and goal has been to meet as many of you as possible, to learn as much about our church family as possible, so to understand our history, uh, where we've been, where we are currently, and then to begin to discern God's direction for us moving forward. And again, that's both been through conversations both here uh, with our church family together, but also out in our community. So like the first week, boy, I loved going over to the Prestige Diner and meet one of the owners, Jimmy, and we had a good exchange, right? Jimmy, he came and said, he's like, once he found out I was the new pastor, he first he was like, I love the fact you have the same name <laughs> as the other pastor. He's like, that makes it easy to remember. And then Jimmy goes, anything I can do for you? He goes, the answer is yes. I said, well, I came here to say, hey, if there's ways that we could love and serve you, and, and then you ask a question, well, I want to be able to say yes. And he goes, I like you. And I go, I like you. So that was a good exchange. Well, a couple days ago, um, it's hard to believe and even Colleen prayed that God knows the number of hairs on her head. I don't have a lot of hairs in my head, right? So, but I still needed to be trimmed. So I thought, well, I need a, a quick haircut. Um, and some of you know I grew up here in New Providence, and one of the places I would get my haircut often was Carmen's across the street. So I'm like, I'll go back and visit and see if Carmen's still there and, and, and reconnect with him. And so I went across the street, and he wasn't there, but George and his team was. And then I was talking to George. He said that sometimes Carmen comes in and, um, and comes back, but he wasn't there that day. And and through the conversations, eventually he found out that I was now serving as the new pastor here across the street. And, and he was all excited about that. We had some good conversations. And, and as we did, he, um, it was interesting. He, and we got to a point where we talked about what it means for us to be good neighbors. And I said, for us, you know, for us across the street, any way that we can support him and help him, especially supporting local, would love to. And he was grateful for that. And and that's really my prayer for us as a church. How can we as a church family be looking to love local, support local, and partner locally in a way that the love of Christ can go out from us? Um, and, but part of that conversation came, it was funny because we were talking, I said, I go, look, George, I got to admit that coming back to Carmen's is interesting because years ago, Carmen made a prediction. And his prediction as he was cutting my hair, I remember as a child, he said, you have such thick Asian hair you will never go bald. <laughs> I said, George, be honest, I'm preaching on forgiveness this coming weekend, and, I, and I've had to forgive Carmen for his wrong prediction. And, and uh, George started laughing, and he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, if I'm not, he goes, I'm not a betting man. He goes, but I would not bet with Carmen in terms of the future, in terms of hair after that prediction. Um, but with that said, we had a good laugh. In fact, he even uh, gave me a hat, right, which is great. I have my uh, Carmen's Men's Salon hat. Um, so I guess at some point we should return the favor and give him some NPPC, uh, you know, swag, a shirt, a, a mug or something. So it was a good exchange with him. And so I share that as an example, hopefully as us as a church family, that as we look to love and serve in our community, that we continue to make as many connections as possible. I'm seeking to do that. And, and for those of you who are interested in renewing partnerships or starting new partnerships, I'd love to talk to you because I want to see ways that we can share the love of Christ. Um, Shifting gears, let's move to today's focus, back into the sermon series called Let's Dance. And so, both to wake you up and get us going again, I invite you to say those words. Let's dance. All right, one more time. Let's dance, right? 
as we have moved into the sermon series, likening leadership to like a dance, what I've been seeking to do is to bring to you the primary areas of focus and conviction that God's used to shape my faith in Christ and also to shape me as a leader, as a pastor. So you get a sense of who I am, sense of my faith, sense of my, my sense of call in terms of what it means to pastor a church, to love, serve, and shepherd you as a church family. And so we've been going topic by topic, and, and admittedly, these are introductions. And the goal is to develop these one-time topics into sermon series in the years ahead. And, and I'll share up front that this sermon in particular is one that it's just scratching the surface. And today we're going to be talking about the topic of forgiveness, and specifically what it means for us to have clear relationships. Um, and this, this is a whole, it require a whole sermon series because of what forgiveness requires, what reconciliation requires, especially when we've been hurt by other people. Uh, this is not an easy topic, uh, but I want to begin the conversation today around forgiveness as we focus on the topic of clear relationships. Because um, as I reflect on my life, at different points in my life, I have been hurt in relationships. Um, I've felt pain from others, both from what they've said about me and what they've done to me. And if I'm honest, I've hurt other people as well. I'm not perfect. But I've needed God to help me learn how to forgive other people, and I've had to confess to other people and seek the forgiveness of others. Because relationships are messy, aren't they? Right? Relationships can be messy, and they can get messy really quickly. You could start a relationship, and everything is clear, like this water right here in this jar. But it doesn't take long in this broken, sin-impacted world where one wrong word or one hurtful action can muddy the relationship. And we can have muddy relationships really quickly. And so as we think about clear relationships, um, I think this is not the truth for all of us to some extent, that all of us, right, we go through life in this broken world and we're hurt by other people, right? We experience pain. Um, and maybe it's what they've done to us, but then also what we do to them, and then that muddies the relationship. Um, and we all need help. We need help to get back to that place of having what I call a clear relationship uh, where there's a sense of connection and reconnection, and that requires forgiveness. Um, so where do we go for help? The good news is that God has not left us without instruction and guidance and wisdom. Right? He's given us his word, and as we believe, listen, and trust his word and put it into practice, right? like Jesus said, it's like building your house on a solid foundation. And so our role is to seek and to listen to the word of God, to put it into practice, to trust and believe what he says. And as we do, Right? God works in a powerful way, and it's not just his word, it's the power of his spirit living inside of us, reproducing the life of Jesus in us that allows us to actually change, be changed, and experience hope in this world. And so today, as we think about relationships, we're going to focus on a couple verses from the New Testament letter of Ephesians. We dipped into this letter a couple weeks ago, and we talked about being God's precious possession forever. Right? This letter was written by the Apostle Paul to, a city, to the city of Ephesus, and it was circulated to the cities in that region. And one of the primary purposes of this letter was to foster unity in the body of Christ. Right? Because there were two major groups. There was the Jewish people and then non-Jewish people coming together on, to be one family of God. And there were lots of differences, and because of those differences, it easily led to muddy relationships, right? Differences can lead to contempt. Contempt can lead to all kinds of hurtful actions. So God inspired the Apostle Paul to write this letter and, and to foster unity in the body of Christ. And it, it, Paul reminded them in chapter 4 that they were a new creation, a new identity in Christ. Many of the words that we just sang 
spoke to that new identity. And Paul exhorted the people of God, followers of Jesus, to put off the old self, right? To put off the old self before Christ and to put on the new self in Christ, to live into this new identity, right? With the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit living inside of them, reproducing the life of Jesus to live a new life empowered by God himself. And that new life required new actions and new ways of being. And there were actions and ways of being that could not, in many ways, be accomplished on a person's own strength. Those new actions required a supernatural strength, and that supernatural strength comes from God himself. And so we enter into this passage looking at words of action, calls to action. Right? These aren't words to earn God's favor. These are words based on the fact we have God's favor. And we live in response to his favor. So here are these words in terms of relationships and what it means to have clear relationships in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 29. We read this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid, listen to this, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Right, as we read these words, as we hear these words, right, these are a calls to action, exhortations from the Apostle Paul in light of, again, putting off the old self and putting on the new self. And this is the way of life, the way of being of a follower of Christ. And he begins by saying, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Unwholesome, right? The word is the same word that Jesus used to describe a tree that produced bad fruit. It's rotten, right? And if you've been around food that's rotten, right, you know what it smells like, what it looks like, what it feels like, and what it tastes like. I just ruined your breakfast, I'm sure. So like <laughs> rotten food, right? rotten fruit, that's what Paul draws upon that image. Right? He says, don't let anything that's rotten come out of your mouth. Because what it does is it's, it, it destroys relationships. And really, it's self-destructive in nature. He says, don't let any unwholesome or rotten talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for building up others. How? According to their needs. I love what Paul says there. According to their needs, right? Meaning, you actually have to care about a person. You have to know about that person. You have to know their needs. And so then you speak words of life that could build them up according to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen, Paul says. And then he follows up with this interesting phrase. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. What Paul's saying is that when unwholesome or rotten words come out of our mouths, words that hurt relationships and hurt other people, it grieves God's spirit. God who, his, especially in the family of Christ, it's like a parent who sees siblings who are fighting each other and a parent grieves and has sorrow for the lack of relationship between the siblings but also the lack of relationship between a parent and a child because the child's not listening to what the parent has said in terms of loving other people, especially loving those in the family. Here Paul's saying, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God right, through this rotten, unwholesome talk that hurts relationships. And he reminds them that the Holy Spirit is, is the one with whom they've been sealed for the day of redemption. This goes back to a couple weeks ago that as followers of Christ, we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit that marks us as God's precious possession forever. And so Paul, in essence, is saying this is serious business. 
Listen to what I'm saying. Then he follows up with what typically Paul does. It's, he'll say something to stop, then he'll say something to start, and then he'll have the motivation behind it. So he says what to stop. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, right? brawling and slander, and every form of malice. Or he says, get rid of it. Like, cut it off. Stop it. Like, almost like put it to death. It's that serious. Because it's serious for all relationships, especially within the body of Christ, within the church. When there's bitterness and it's allowed to fester. When there's rage, more of like a one-time outburst or anger, which is a seething undercurrent, right, of, of, dis, of, dis, of dis, distaste for another person or, or anger for a situation. Brawling, which is fighting, and then slander, right, which is typically seen in gossip, right, gossip which kills relationships, kills groups, kills organizations, can kill a church, to be honest. He says, cut out, get rid of all slander and every form of malice. That's what to stop. But what he says, what are, what are you to start? He says, be kind and compassionate to one another in verse 32. Right? These are attributes of God, God and his kindness. Where we read in Romans 2, 4 that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Right? So as we're kind to one another, that's the best way to love and care for each other. If you want to change a person, don't try and be forceful with them. Be kind to them. And that's ultimately how God changes our heart through kindness. He says, be kind and compassionate Right? Suffer with people. Put yourself in their shoes. Walk alongside of them. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Then, then he gets to the focus of today's sermon. He says, forgive each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Right? There's a call to forgive others. And it's not just a, a blind forgiveness. It's described in a way, the motivation behind that is these two big words, just as as, right? Just as Christ, in Christ, God forgave you. And so whenever you see these words in the Apostle Paul particularly, these, it's, it's described as uh, the, the, uh, basically a pattern of conformity, a conformity pattern. Biblical scholars call this the conformity pattern, where Paul says, look at this clearly, because this is how you are to be and to live, to be more like God, ultimately which we see to be more like Christ. And so it's both the pattern of how to live, but actually the source and the strength and the power behind it. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. And so we're called to forgive others just as Christ has forgiven us. And so as you think about muddy relationships, if you've been wronged or hurt, this is where life and faith comes together. And it could be, it's one thing to do an intellectual exercise to talk about forgiveness, but it's another thing to actually take it to the very real relationships that we're in. Uh, hard memories, painful memories, broken relationships. And as I've been praying for you all week long leading up to this sermon, thinking, I don't know your stories. I don't know what you've experienced, who's hurt you, how it's been personal, whether it's a one-time hurting or an ongoing hurting. But I'm trusting that God knows your story. God knows what you're facing. And God wants to bring his word to bring healing to you and to that relationship. And so as we enter into these next couple moments, I, I keep that in mind because because relationships, if we're honest, are muddy. But we have a God who's powerful, a God who heals, a God who provides hope. And so as you think about forgiveness, right, when you're wronged or hurt by someone, we have a choice. 
Right? One choice when someone wrongs you or hurts you is to want to pay them back. Right? And to say, I'm going to, when you get hurt, it's be like, okay, I owe you, or you're going to pay for this. And that's why, in many ways, when we're hurt by another person, there's a debt that's formed. Right? And in essence, it's, we can choose to make that person pay that debt, and we can choose to do it in lots of ways, whether it's by withholding love. Right? Unforgiveness comes in many forms. It could come by withholding love and, and disengaging, or it can come by going, unforgiveness can come by going on the attack making that person maybe feel as bad or worse than you feel. Um, but a book that's been helpful to me and a lot of the insights in the coming moments will come from this book called uh, Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. This is one of the best books on conflict I've read uh, in all my years. I love what he says. He says that unforgiveness is the poison we drink hoping others will die. Right? Unforgiveness is the poison we drink hoping others will will die. Meaning that when we withhold forgiveness, right, by being cold or distant from another person, or if we go on the attack and try and make them pay, we think we're hurting them, but in the end, unforgiveness is the poison we drink, hoping that others will die. And so that's one choice. One choice is to try and make the other person pay, but that just leads to more and more hate, more and more bitterness, and more and more struggle. There's another choice. The other choice is to choose by God's help and with his grace to forgive the other person, to forgive. So Ken Sandy also says, another quote from that book is, forgiveness clears the path through the rubble of the past. And since forgiveness is the way back to a clear relationship, right, when things are muddy. And so the question is, how are we to forgive? How can we actually do this, really? I have some bad news first. The bad news is it's impossible to truly forgive someone on our own strength and to do it consistently. It's impossible. We may be able to do it in the short term, maybe at all, but for a little bit. But to be able to truly forgive someone, we need help and we need supernatural help. We need God's help. And the promise of Scripture is he can give us that help because God forgave us. He went first. And because he's forgiven us, we have the hope that he can give us, by his strength and grace, the ability to forgive others. And so as we think about that, first I want to talk about what forgiveness is not before we talk more about what forgiveness is. So forgiveness is not, say, three things. A feeling, forgetting, or excusing. Or forgiveness is not just a feeling where you feel something. It, it involves an act of the will. All right, forgiveness requires a choice. You have to make a decision to forgive another person. It's not just a feeling. Right? But then back to, you know, forgiveness is not forgetting. This is a question I get often. Is, aren't we supposed to forgive and forget? The answer is yes and no, no and yes. What I mean by that is forgetting, it's impossible to truly forget. Right? Forgetting is, in many ways, um, the description of forgetting, it's, forgetting is a passive action where over time something leaves your memory. It's not something that we can actively do. Right, try and forget something. <laughs> I'm going to forget what happened yesterday. Wait, I just remembered it. I'm going to forget. No, you, the more you try and forget something, the more it comes to mind. So it's, it's something that has to happen passively. It doesn't happen. You can't make it happen. But you can choose to forgive. And what I've seen in my life and the life of others is you choose to forgive another person. It's an act of the will. And you choose not to count against them what they've done to you 
when you make that choice over time and you do it consistently with God's help, over time, the sting and hurt of that memory does fade away. But it's not something you can actively make happen. Even in Isaiah 43, 25, when it says, God says, I will remember their sins no more. There, the, the notion of remembering there is, is saying that God's not gonna bring it up again. He's not gonna, he's not gonna recount it to us. He's not gonna count it against us. Right? You think about a, a, if, if you've been in a, a fight and the person brings up the past over and over and over. I've been there, I'm sure you've been there. God chooses not to do that in Christ. And so it's not, he doesn't choose, I mean, it says he doesn't remember our sins anymore. God is all-knowing. He doesn't forget anything. He just chooses not to bring it up and to count it against us. Right? So it's not a feeling, it's not forgetting, it's also not excusing. And this is where it gets raw and honest. The third thing, forgiveness is not excusing, where it would say, oh, it's, it's okay, it's not a big deal. If you've been hurt, it is a big deal, right? And I love about Scripture, I love about the God we read about in the Bibles. He takes that seriously. He asks us to take it seriously because we both know when we've been wronged by another person and it's inexcusable, we shouldn't just say it's okay and just, or, and just forget about it. We need to enter into that. And say so it's not, so forgive, forgiving is not excusing. It's taking seriously what's happened with us. So what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is a decision. It's a conscious decision by the grace of God to not count something against another person. This is what God has done for us. He made a choice in Jesus Christ to not count against us our sin. Right? We're a new creation. We read in Corinthians, how we're, then God does not count our trespasses against us. We read it here too. Just as in Christ, God forgave us. He doesn't, if we're in Christ, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, as we read about, sang about the Lamb of God who, t- who stood in our place, right? he doesn't count our sins against us anymore. He's forgiven us. So forgiveness is a decision. And in many ways, it, uh, as we think about that decision, it's a decision we have to make with God's, with God's help for other people, not just one time, but ongoing. I love what the Apostle Paul says in Acts 24, 16. He says, I stri- so I strive always to keep my conscience clear right, before God and man. Meaning he strives always to keep short accounts. He strives always to seek to have clear relationships. And part of that involves forgiving other people. And so as we think about this, it goes back to those two words from Ephesians 4.32. Just as, right, forgive others, each other, just as in Christ, God has forgiven you. The ability to forgive as followers of Christ comes as we lean into the truth that God has forgiven us. He's forgiven us all of our sins. And then for us to then say, then therefore, who are we to then try to punish other people for what they've done wrong to us. These words, these words of Ephesians 4.32 have saved multiple marriages over the years as I've led people through this Peacemaker book. It has saved relationships and friendships, even groups, and to some extent, even a church. Because when we take away from God the, desi- the, 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 the task of punishing other people, nothing good comes of it. God says, give it back to me. He is the one who's the judge. He's the one who's just. He's the one who will make things right. But our role, the thing we can control, the thing that we can influence, is to choose in Christ not to count something against someone else 
And, to, and the, word, the, the actual Greek word for forgive means to let go and to remit, to let it go into his hands. It's not an easy decision. Um, and that's why this sermon needs a lot more sermons is if you go, what does it mean to engage that person? What does it mean to seek reconciliation? That's for, that'll be for a whole other time. But today I want to focus on the initial step that what can we do, what can we control as far as of Christ? And the calling from God is to living into the new person, to put off the old and put on the new. It's to not carry grudges, not to hold on, but to let it go, to give it to God and to choose to forgive others by his grace. Um, it's not easy. And that's why for me, my prayer around this has to be God, and something like this, God, I'm hurt, I'm angry at this person, and I want to make them pay. But my prayer then is you didn't do that to me when I sinned against you. So please give me the grace and the ability to forgive that person just as you have forgiven me. What I've seen and known, and especially whether it's especially in marriages that have just gotten to a very difficult situation, the only way to untie that knot and untie that knot in conflict and relationship is to live into this and to say, God, take this. Help me to forgive just as you have forgiven me. Um, and so, one thing to remember, one thing to do, and some questions to consider out of this. One, one thing to remember is this. God has forgiven us, right? He calls us to forgive others with his strength. So what are we to do with this, right? Starting right away is to, is to identify one, start small, start with one, start, identify one specific person that you need to forgive. And take that initial step with God's help of choosing not to count against something against him or her. Um, this is not a small step. And based on the person that God has brought to your mind, uh, I want to give us some space in a moment during prayer to really hand this over to God in terms of this first step and ask, what would it look like to release this to God and to lean into his strength and his supernatural ability to actually forgive someone as opposed to trying to make them pay? Um, let me give you th three questions to reflect on, whether over lunch today, maybe later today over the dinner table with another person, or if you're a journaler like me, I invite you to take these questions and, and do some reflections, take some time this week. Number one is this question here is, when have you been wronged or hurt by another person to the point that you didn't want to forgive that person? It could have been this morning. It could have been this past week. It could have been 20 years ago. I don't know when that is for you. God knows your story. But when have you been wronged or hurt by another person to the point that you're like, I don't want to forgive that person? That's the first question. Second, how can the fact that God has forgiven you help you forgive others? As you slow down and reflect on how much God has done for us in Christ, right? sacrificing and giving up his one and only son and Jesus going to the cross and dying on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, giving everything so that we could have a clear relationship with God, God then calls us to go and recreate clear relationships with other people through forgiveness. So how does that help? Number three, who is God calling you to forgive? And this is where it gets real and real, really fast. Who is God calling you to forgive? And as you think about that question, and as that person comes to mind, you know there's a lot of grace. Right? None of us are perfect. 
That's why a couple weeks ago I had you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not perfect, right? That none of us are perfect. We all need grace. We all need help. And that involves also we need help taking this step. Um, and so as I finish, I want to pray for us and pray towards this end that we can step and live into this um, because we need God's help. We need God's strength to take this step of forgiving others just as in Christ God has forgiven us. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we need you. We need your grace so much in this. Lord God, you know our stories. You know our hurt. You know our pain. You know those who have wronged us. You know our responses, Lord. Sometimes they've been good. Other times, probably most of the time, they haven't, God. We give ourselves to you first and foremost. First and foremost, praising you and thanking you, God, that you uh, have forgiven us of our sins in Christ. That Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, and he was resurrected to life. And in doing so, Lord, give us the promise of a new life and new hope. And part of that new life and new hope is the supernatural ability to forgive others. So God, as we have thought and considered and a person's come to our heart and mind, Lord, today, may today, July 25th, 2021, mark a moment where we, maybe for the first time, surrender that relationship to you. God, we may not want to forgive that person, but God, give us the grace to want to forgive them. Recognizing, God, that by withholding forgiveness, Lord, it's the poison that we drink thinking the other person's going to be hurt or die. Lord, help us to give that to you. And in doing so, or may we experience the freedom that comes from forgiving others. God, we need your grace. We need your help. Help us to take this first step and help us to grow in the process to be more and more like Jesus who from the cross said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. May we become a forgiving people as we are part of your family. We pray this in the powerful and matchless name of Jesus, our Savior.